Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. The scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Murder. For some, prison becomes the end of their story. On October 9th, 1984, a dangerous man committed what would be his first murder. The first of two lives taken after a prison sentence. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Ronnie Lee Gardner was born on January 16, 1961 in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the youngest of seven children belonging to an alcoholic who abandoned them and started his new family when Ronnie was just a toddler. Six months after his parents officially divorced, two-year-old Ronnie was found wandering the streets alone, clad only in a diaper and showing signs that he had been malnourished. Welfare workers filed a failure-to-care petition against his mother and took the young boy into custody. Later returned to his family, Ronnie spent the rest of his life in a tumultuous relationship with his father who, for one reason or another, didn't believe the young boy was biologically his. He often expressed his fears to Ronnie, who, according to his own claims, was raised mostly by an older sister, but was sexually abused by some of his other siblings. When things got really bad, he and his sister Bonnie would run away and seek refuge in what they called a hobo camp, feeling much more at ease with strangers than he did with his own family members. By the time he was just 10 years old, Ronnie was considered a drug addict and often combined it with alcohol. At some point in his youth, his brother Randy was sent to a juvenile detention center for stealing some boots. And when their father came to collect the boy, Ronnie was left behind feeling anger and distress over the abandonment by his father yet again. His mother later remarried a man named Bill Lucas, a former convict. And with Bill's children from a previous relationship, the home now held a total of nine children. Ronnie idolized his new stepfather and watched as the man used his stepsons as lookouts while he burglarized homes in the area. Before long, Ronnie himself began his own criminal record and on a few occasions was placed in institutions, detention centers, and was even involuntarily committed to the Utah State Prison. While being held at the Utah State Industrial School, Ronnie was approached by a man named Jack Statt, who claimed he was living with his brother, Randy. He said that the pair met at a bus stop and that Jack paid Randy $25 for oral sex. They became fast friends, and when Ronnie was finally released from the school in 1975, he went to stay with Jack. And although the social workers noted how the men in the household dressed in what they claimed was women's clothing, they allowed Jack, a stranger, to become Randy and Ronnie's foster parent. Ronnie would later claim that Jack performed sexual acts on them so frequently that he thought, quote, life like that was normal. 
Despite being forced into sex work and Jack fitting the profile of a pedophile, Ronnie would later say that this was the most stable period of his life and that Jack was a, quote, good man. It was also around this time that Ronnie met a girl named Deborah Biscoff, and together the pair had a daughter in 1977 and a son in 1980. Though she described him favorably, claiming he was a very caring man who protected her, Ronnie was convicted of robbery and sent to the Utah State Prison the same month that his son was born. On April 19, 1981, he managed to escape the maximum security unit, but was shot and recaptured while attempting to murder a man that he thought raped Deborah. And in February of 1983, he was identified as a ringleader in an inmate disturbance that involved barricades and fires. Clearly unwilling to be confined, on August 6, 1984, Ronnie, after faking an illness so well that he was sent to the hospital, managed to escape, attack the transportation officer, and force him to unlock his shackles. Threatening his life, Ronnie then struck the man, Don Leavitt, so hard that he needed to reconstruct his face after the attack. He then forced a medical student to take him at gunpoint to where he wanted to go. And a few days later, a letter carrier opened the mailbox and found a note from Ronnie Gardner, along with the guard's firearm, that said, quote, here's the gun and wallet taken from the guard at the hospital. I don't want to hurt no one else. I just want to be free. Just two months later, on October 9th, 1984, he would prove his own statements false when he robbed the Cheers Tavern in Salt Lake City and, under the influence of cocaine, shot bartender Melvin John Otterstrom in the face and killed him. Leaving the establishment with less than $100, Ronnie, posing as a childhood friend, attended Melvin's funeral. Three weeks later, following a tip, Police arrested him inside his cousin's home and his getaway driver, Darcy Perry McCoy, agreed to testify against him in court. During the proceedings for Melvin's murder, Ronnie attempted to escape yet again using a smuggled revolver inside of the Metropolitan Hall of Justice. This time, however, after being shot in the chest by a guard, injuring an unarmed bailiff, and shooting a man named Michael Burdell, who was doing pro bono work for his church, in the eye, the success was a failure. Michael, unfortunately, died about 45 minutes after coming face-to-face with Ronnie Gardner. Searching the courthouse, a bag of men's clothing was found in the basement under a women's restroom sink, leading prosecutors in the case to theorize that the revolver was snuck in and taped to the water fountain and that the rest was left to facilitate his escape. Darcy's sister, Karma Jolie Hainsworth, was later sentenced to eight years in prison for delivering the clothing, but the identity of the person who provided the firearm was not known at the time. Darcy herself was found just a few blocks away and arrested. After recovering from his injuries, Ronnie was sent back to court, where in June of 1985, he pleaded guilty to the murder of Melvin Otterstrom and received a life sentence without a chance for parole. Later diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, when brought back to court for the murder of Michael Burdell, in which he was forced to wear a leg brace that would seize up if he attempted to escape again, the judge told the jury that if they found that he was under mental or emotional distress at the time of the shooting, they could come back with a verdict of manslaughter instead. 
After less than three hours of deliberation, the jury came back and found Ronnie Gardner guilty of capital murder. He was sentenced to death again, and at the time, he was Utah's youngest inmate on death row. Given the choice, Ronnie elected to have his sentence carried out via firing squad. While awaiting that day, on February 19th, 1987, Ronnie, along with other inmates, attended a hearing in which they accused the prison of, quote, unconstitutional confinement, claiming their food and living conditions were extremely poor. That October, he broke the glass partition in the prison visiting area and had sex with a woman who came to see him and got so drunk in 1994 that he stabbed a fellow inmate with a shiv made from sunglasses and was charged with another capital crime. After causing a considerable amount of trouble behind bars, in 2007, his appeal, citing he had inadequate representation, was denied. And in 2010, another motion for appeal was denied by the Court of Appeals. Though he was resigned to his fate, his attorneys kept on fighting. But on April 23, 2010, State Court Judge Robin Reese signed an execution warrant and ordered the process to finally begin. Before that could happen, though, a commutation hearing was held on June 10, 2010, where lawyers and medical experts argued that meningitis contracted when he was four years old damaged Ronnie's brain enough that, in addition to the huffed gas and glue he and his siblings did when they were younger, and playing with mercury as a child led to his uncontrollable actions that cost two men their lives. Three jurors from the original case signed affidavits saying that if the option was available to them back in 1992, they would have sentenced Ronnie to life rather than death, while he himself argued that he was a changed man who counseled other inmates and was interested in starting an organic farm project for youth. Arguing against him, however, was the family of the now-deceased George Kirk. Shot at that day in the courthouse, the family said how the act of violence affected them and how ultimately it shortened George's life. There was also Melvin's son who described the impact the murder had on his family. And actually on Ronnie's side was Michael Burdell's family, who, though suffering from a great loss, described Michael as a pacifist who was against the death penalty. It was also revealed during that hearing that it was Darcy Perry McCoy who stashed the firearm that day. After nearly 25 years of back and forth appeals and denials, Ronnie Gardner was placed in front of a firing squad of five on June 18, 2010, while family and supporters gathered outside and played Free Bird by Leonard Skinner. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on October 8th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.